The T-Wolves take down the reigning champs and get back to 500. And I got Wolves expert Tyler Metcalf to help me break it all down. It's coming up next on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wolves crushed the Nuggets tonight. They moved to two and two on the season. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it with another T-Wolves Postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Tyler Metcalf, writer and author over at CanisHoopus.com and on X at T Metcalf 11. Before we jump into all the action tonight, quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, brother, let's jump right into this one. Wolves taking on the Nuggets tonight at home, coming off that brutal loss on Monday versus the Hawks. They blew that massive 19-point halftime lead. Let's just start with your big takeaways from tonight and what you saw from the Wolves bouncing back strong after that tough loss Monday night. Yeah, and it's resiliency, and that's kind of what we wanted to see. This is the exact response that we needed to see from the Timberwolves coming off of that pathetic loss against Atlanta in their previous game. It would have been really easy for them to come out flat and kind of cave under pressure against the Nuggets who have been playing incredibly well so far this year. And they didn't, they came out sharp on defense. They were moving the ball on offense. They were taking advantages of mismatches in the post. They were really forcing guys on the Nuggets to defend them at a high level. And they didn't. And then on the other end of the floor, their defense was so, so, so good all night, um, especially in the half court. Uh, but in the fast break, too, they limited Denver to just nine fast break points. That's unheard of for this Timberwolves team. So the they put up a ton of points. They were pretty effective on offense, but I think they really won this game with their defensive discipline. Yeah, and uh, I'm a big NFL guy. You'll learn that as we go throughout the season. I always just think about in the NFL, you get these Super Bowl hangovers, right? A lot of teams get that first month of the season coming off a championship run and how we'd always watch, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They start slow out the gate. They go like one and three, two and two before they really kick things into high gear and go on that huge run, make the playoffs, go deep in the playoffs. But clearly, again, Nuggets were 4-0 and heading in for a reason. So, I mean, I was curious at first, like, all right, is everybody healthy first and foremost for the Nuggets? Like what's going on? Because to come out after Monday's loss and then beat the defending champions two nights later, the way they did too, in the yeah. fashion they did, essentially holding a double digit lead for, you know, almost the entire night. That's awfully impressive. And exactly, I think what the doctor ordered for this team, just to kind of shake those bad vibes and hold that lead throughout the second half. What was the difference tonight? in the second half specifically versus Monday and I guess other pass blown leads as well that you saw. Yeah. And they, at the start of the third quarter, we kind of started seeing some of the signs that were pretty similar to that Hawks game where there were some questionable there were some shot selection. There. There yeah. Some fouls, we puckered up there turnovers. Yeah. And it was like, Oh God, are we really going through this again? Especially with a team like Denver, who's going to pounce on opportunities like that in a split second and can rip off a 10 0 run in the blink of an eye. But Finch did a much better job of calling some 
quick timeouts to kind of stifle any runs and, you know, not allow Denver to get in the rhythm. But then on offense, we saw Mike Conley really take over and just really pick his spots incredibly effectively out of the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. He, he got his floater working. The outside shot was falling. Just that that ability to stay calm and find his spots and make just the right decision kind of possession after possession for about a four or five minute stretch there was so crucial. And it was something that was completely absent in that Hawks game. Yeah, Wolves have lost 28 games when holding a double digit lead in the second half since 2021. So we're going back a little ways, but still like it's a well-known fact. Now, Wolves fans, I mean, we're just hardwired no matter how big the lead is now to just kind of pucker up and the anxiety reaches a new level once that third quarter starts. And like you said, in that third quarter, there were times tonight when they did look just a little discombobulated, some sloppy play, bad turnovers, missed shots, bad shot selection, what have you. Um, You started to wonder if it was going to happen again. Now, I know they obviously still won tonight, but a lot of fans, it's going to be tough for them to get that out of the back of their mind, right? They're going to have to see multiple wins like this in this fashion and to see them hold on to those big leads. I'm just curious of your opinion. And I asked Tyler on Monday, but explain it to me like I'm I'm five because I want your take. What is the issue for this team blowing those big leads over the last year or two, in your opinion? And it just feels like something tangible. Like, I don't think tough about it. I some depending there there are different factions of fans you know they're the cat haters there are the chris finch doubters and all all of their various groups will lean on whatever excuse but it just feels like complacency and you know i maybe that goes back to the coaching staff of not really getting these guys fired up coming out of halftime and making sure that they're taking some of these assignments as seriously as they should but it feels like when they get out to these big leads they are like oh well we're killing them so they're just going to roll over and quit but no you're you're playing against the best players in the world so they're going to come out and in the modern NBA with how prevalent the three point shot is with how fast teams play. Now it's so easy to work yourself back into a game and erase a 20 point lead. than it was even just 10 years ago. So, and we kind of see that similar mindset, especially last year where they were dropping games to teams that were tanking like the Rockets and the Pistons and the Spurs. And it's just that complacency of, ah, we should beat them on paper or, ah, we should have this game won already. And they don't see it out tonight. They saw it out. They they battled through those kind of early third quarter jitters and found their groove again and just kind of maintained that 15 to 20 point lead to the end. Yeah. Five and 10 last year versus the bottom five teams in the league, five and 10 and just awfully frustrated again, knowing how much talent was on that team last year. And then obviously carrying over to this year, uh, tonight they had 20 points off turnovers. The first half zero in the third quarter nuggets, didn't really do much with that. They only trimmed the lead by two. But when you see a stat like that, does that give you, I don't know, any indication or is that tangible information to say maybe the same aggressive psyche, so to speak, isn't carrying over when they do have such a big league? Like maybe they start to play a little bit more passively with the big leads after the half, perhaps? Or am I kind of reaching with that stat? What do you think? No, I, I, I think it's somewhat applicable. Um, I, I do think the 10 turnovers for the Nuggets was kind of an outlier in that first half. That's okay. pretty uncharacteristic for the way that they play. But I also think it's a real testament to how a- attentive the Timberwolves were on defense. We saw Ant- Anthony Edwards get two steals in transition um, in the first in the first half. So, and they were making it a real 
effort and a real point of intrigue to make sure that they got back in transition and set up their half court defense and not allow Denver to get out and get these easy buckets. Then in the half court offense, we saw Carl Anthony Towns. He had a couple soft fouls early, but I thought overall he did a really good job of just kind of walling up and being physical with Jokic. Jokic is going to get his points regardless. And you kind of want to just turn him into a score and make sure that guys like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter um, and even Aaron Gordon don't get hot and start going off, uh, which they did tonight. So with Cat being able to kind of hold his own against Jokic and play physical without fouling overtly, um, they were then able to kind of, you know, knock the ball out of his, his hands a couple times, stay home on shooters, stay, stay attached to cutters and make sure that those guys didn't really get going then in the second half in that third quarter like we mentioned that kind of rough shot selection led to some easy transition buckets and guys Mm -hmm. kind of scrambling a little more so there wasn't that that defensive cohesiveness that we necessarily saw throughout the entire first half yeah and you mentioned cat kind of walling up on Jokic, and he got his points 25 Mm -hmm. but only and he's always going to yeah exactly Uh, only three assists and I i wish i had the stat in front of me they said it on the broadcast but um he's had like 30 straight games or something insane, right? Something wild. Um, Triple doubles. Triple doubles Mm -hmm. in like 30 straight games. So um, all in all, I feel like they contained him the best they could. And, you know, I'm thinking about that third quarter again when when things started to shift just a little bit there for a second before Finch, like you mentioned, um, called some really good timeouts. Luckily, two guys really stuck out. Mike Conley and Jane McDaniels, both ends of the court. They really kind of bailed them out in that third quarter, kind of helped put a little Band-Aid, it felt like, on such sloppy play for most of that quarter and keep that lead to 17. So that was huge. Um, This team has now held opponents to under 100 points in three of their first four games. What's been the catalyst? What's been the biggest catalyst, in your opinion, to the stifling defense thus far? Rudy Gobert looks like Rudy Gobert again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just physically, he looks like a completely different player than we saw all of last year. Uh, he looks healthy. He's moving uh, so well. He's covering a ton of ground, really communicating, being active around the rim. Uh, I, it was like the Denver's like first like five to eight possessions. They all kind of had shots around the rim, but all of them were so heavily contested and really altered by Gobert and his ability to roam off and kind of play that center field role and be that help side rim protector while also being able to be so much more agile and drop coverage than he was last year. It's really paying dividends and he looks so much better and really he's the biggest reason right now why their half court defense has been so incredible. Yeah, he just looks so much, I don't know, cleaner, crisper in every facet, and he's really been the pillar for them every time he's been on the court. Let's just touch on all three of the big men while we're Mm -hmm. at it because we could gush about Rudy all night. That's how good he's been. Um, How's Cat been through four games, not just tonight, but through four games? What have you seen from him kind of big picture lens? I know he didn't have, you know, maybe necessarily the greatest shooting performance again tonight. Still seems like we haven't seen the best of him yet by any means, but I mean, you say that. And then you look at the box score guy puts up a cool 21 points and eight assists. Yeah, it's tough because like his, his counting numbers seem to still be getting to the marks that we're kind of used to, or at least ballpark figures. But then you look at the efficiency and the tape and it doesn't really align. And he just looks really frustrated right now. And I think a big reason for that is the outside shot just isn't falling. He's shooting like 24% or something from three on the season right now. Obviously it's early. We know he's a much better shooter than that. So that should kind of revert to the mean at some point, 
But until it does, we saw him really forcing the issue inside a lot tonight. And when he's not getting those foul calls, when he is getting kind of mauled in the paint, he his body language just gets so rough. So he he continuously gets his numbers and they, you know, they're really impressive, but he feels it feels like he's really forcing the offense and kind of taking shots and trying to create shots when there really isn't anything there to be had. And the fact that he's getting you know, 21 points and eight assists, I think you said, um, is still just such a testament to how talented he is. Once that shot starts falling, that's where it's like, okay, now he's up around 30 pretty consistently. And then they're driving lanes that are even more wide open for Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels to continuously attack when he does make that extra skip pass to them because the defense is closing out more aggressively. Yeah, well said. Now, I'm I'm kind of new here. But is he legally obligated to ask for a foul call after every possession? I'm pretty possession? sure it's not in, in, in his, his contract. contract? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, good points on him, though, by the way, really, though. And and then just to round out the big three, I guess, how about Nas Reed? Four straight games with double-digit points to start the season for the first time in his career. Is this the same guy we saw last year? Is he, has he even looked better than what you remembered? It feels like he's just taken another step forward in his confidence and his level of comfort within this team. Um, the first couple of games, we really saw him light up the scoring column from outside because his outside shot was really falling. And tonight we saw kind of a different look from him. I know he made at least one three, but they kind of continuously went to him in the post where Denver or when, when Nas would come in is usually against the second unit and Peyton Watson, who's, you know, more of a small forward than a power forward was being matched up on Nas Reed and Nas has both the height and the weight advantage there. And he continuously took him down into the post. And we saw Nas really effectively work over both shoulders with the right and left kind of jump hooks and just kind of get whatever he wanted in there. So he, he just looks so comfortable, so confident and just really seamless fit in this offense. And, you know, we saw it in, in their first win where, Cat kind of got in foul trouble and then Nas got real hot and just forced Finch to leave him on the floor. He's just in a perfect spot where if everything's rolling, everything's flowing, he can come in for those 20 minutes a night and just get his points and kind of dominate because of the mismatch issues that he presents to the other team against the second unit. But then if Cat is hurt or having an off night or in foul trouble or whatever, he can be a pretty similar facsimile and fill in pretty seamlessly around the edges. I don't know what the spread was coming in tonight, but I imagine the Nuggets were favored by at least a handful, maybe a couple here or there. But um, how huge was this win tonight just for morale? Like how much better should fans feel after one game? And again, I know it's only one game, but you think about the alternative going to one and three after Monday's loss, just how brutal that was, the fashion in which they lost, and then to lose at home again tonight in back-to-back losses. How huge was this just for morale and momentum-building purposes, do you think? Yeah, and you say it's only one game, but Monday was only one game. And That's true. <laughs> the, the, That's the, the Timberwolves community was That's a good point. distraught over yeah. it. Yeah. And so, you know, they they we, fans should feel awesome about this win. This was a huge win to blow out the defending champions who were undefeated coming into the night. Um, you know, I know Michael Porter had a super cold night. Jamal Murray was awful in the first half and couldn't buy a shot, but the Wolves played a big factor in that with their defense, how they were making that 
those guys defend on the other end. So th- this was a really good win. This was a really good bounce back from the Timberwolves because, again, they could have so easily come into this game flat and just caved and gotten in their own heads and just kind of felt the pressure, especially in that third quarter. But they kind of kept going and they kept picking their spots, improving their shot selection, moving the ball. And again, being so good on the defensive end, this is the best defense that the Timberwolves have been playing in quite some time. Yeah, Murray didn't have a a point. I shouldn't say a point. He made three free throws, but uh, nine minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. Zero buckets from the field. Was there something specific? Just real quick. Was there something specific that you saw the way they defended him tonight? I mean, whenever you throw that length of Jane McDaniels on a point guard. Yeah. That's always, you know, yeah. there, there's always an adjustment that has to be made with those guys. Um, but I mean, Murray's so good that he just naturally is going to get his points. Typically, I think overall is kind of just an off night for him, but on the other end of the floor, I thought they did a great job of making him work and kind of tiring out his legs because they constantly targeted him in the pick and roll or forcing switches and making Murray defend Cat or Nas in the post and making him really work and exert a ton of energy on that end of the floor. So I think that still kind of played a factor in the other end with how hard he has to work to get his shots anyways and how much movement he has both on and off ball. Yeah, well said. Having McDaniels back on the court, man. Whew. Huge night and day difference for sure. All right, I want to ask you about the schedule coming up and kind of where the Wolves fit in the West right now. But first, a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. $200 in bonus bets, no matter what, win or lose, when you throw down just 5 bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, last couple before we wrap up here. Is there um is there any specific rotation or way Finch has used these lineups that you'd like to see maybe differently early on here? Or maybe a guy or two, how about this? A guy or two that you're surprised hasn't gotten more run or more minutes thus far. And that could be for good or bad, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm a little surprised that Troy Brown hasn't gotten yeah. a few more looks um, just because of how experienced he is, how good of a rebounder he is, how versatile of a defender he is. Um, maybe it's just the chemistry or, you know, Finch just really wanting to kind of solidify these these top seven guys in the rotation first. Uh, Shake has gotten the bulk of the backup minutes. He's really struggled. I liked how both of those guys really looked in the preseason. I thought their rebounding, their defensive versatility – was going to be a huge factor in this Timberwolves team, but both of them are really kind of struggling to kind of find their rhythm here. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes on. Both are used to playing alongside superstars in various settings and kind of being those role players off the bench. So it's not like they're being tossed into a really uncommon role, 
maybe it's just new setting, new people, new terminology, all that kind of stuff, or early season learning hurdles. So I'm going to be really fascinated to see how and if those guys responsibilities and roles kind of evolve over this next week or so. Yeah, for sure. Such a long, long season. We're just scratching the surface, but I too am a little surprised we haven't seen a little bit more of Troy Brown. Um, Schedule stays tough here coming up. We all knew this is where they'd really just have to just kind of try to stay afloat. What do they need to do to survive this stretch over the next two, three weeks as far as wins and losses go in your opinion, just to kind of, again, just kind of stay afloat. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think a great, outcome would be a couple games over 500 here and you just look at the next couple games utah boston new orleans san antonio golden state golden state phoenix new orleans new york philly sacramento those are a lot of really tough teams and a lot of teams who have playoff expectations so they're the teams that the wolves are going to have to beat in order to get that more favorable standing and if they can kind of come out couple games over 500 there, a couple extra games in the win column. I think they'll be sitting really good going into that next stretch of games, but they they just kind of have to keep being really consistent with their defense. I think the half-court defense is looking incredible. It's just making sure that they're staying really locked in in that transition defense and not letting the opponents get into these really easy runs where they get in a rhythm and get a bunch of points in a blink of an eye. Yeah, well said, man. I, I I gotta repeat that schedule one more time because that is pretty wild. Celtics, Warriors twice, Pelicans twice, Suns, 76ers. Man, not necessarily an easy stretch by any means, but knowing this team, the way they play and kind of rise to their level of competition, so to speak. I mean, they'll just raise their play and uh who knows? Watch them, you know, not just stay afloat and go five hundred. Watch them actually go a couple games over five hundred uh after this tough stretch. Uh last one here. I asked Jack this on Monday too, but I'm curious your thoughts as well, because again, I know we're only four games into the season, but what stuck out to you early on from this Western conference thus far? Like what's kind of surprised you early on? And I guess where do the wolves fit inside that giant puzzle, so to speak, maybe two, three months down the road? I mean, the Grizzlies have been stunning how awful they've looked. Um, You know, before we hopped on here, they were getting blown out by about 30 or 40 points uh, tonight. Uh, I know missing Steven Adams really hurts. Obviously missing John Morant really hurts, but I thought they would at least be kind of 500 ish and, you know, really battling for the Timberwolves in the, you know, along the same record wise. So obviously it's only five, four or five games into the season for them, but those are the types of teams that Tim, the Timberwolves are probably going to be landing around in the standings uh, come playoff time. And the fact that they're getting off to this bad of a start is a really steep hill that they're going to have to overcome. So that they're probably the biggest surprise for me, um, at least in the negative column. Uh, I got Jack's win total prediction. I believe it was 50. I heard Ben Beacons on Locked on Wolves. I think he had about 51. Did you make one as well? And if so, what was it? And kind of what was the logic behind it? And would you change it if you could, I guess? Are you still pretty confident from what you've seen through four games for the Wolves? Do you remember what the over-under was set at? Was it like 45-ish? I was going to say, I want to say it was 46 and a half. Could be 44 and a half, though. 
Okay. Um, on the Canis Hoopas uh, season preview, I originally started typing out my thing going, yep. you know, what? I, I'm wrong. I go over on this every single year and I'm wrong every single year. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, I'm going under. And then I start, you know, going back through the roster. I'm like, God, there's too much talent. I can't. I'm going back over. So do it. that's what they do to you every year, yeah, every yeah. year. So, mm-hmm. again, fans, I'm sorry. I, I might be the curse. I'm, I might be the problem. But I, I did go over. I didn't have a specific number on it, but it was like just over. So it's like a game or two over whatever the line was set at. So yeah. probably like that 45, 46 mark. Yeah, well said. Uh, well done tonight. As always, Wolf Thump, the reigning champs. Nuggets, 110-89. They get back to 500. Huge shout out to everyone over there who's joining us on tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game. Same time, same place, right here to break it all down. And quick reminder as well, go check out Tyler's stuff over on canisoupas.com. Anything we should be on the lookout for? Anything recent that you've published on the Wolves or anything else? Um. Not n- nothing specific. There, there's so many talented writers over there who have everyday coverage. So w- whatever you need from the Timberwolves, I'll I'll have some more kind of X's and O's stuff, um, and player breakdowns coming in the near future. I did kind of break down there how the uh, Timberwolves are balancing that flow versus, you know, set specific set system in the mm-hmm. preseason. Um, so that's over there. But they, they, there are so many talented writers. The, the team is really strong over there. So just go over there, check out, support everything that those guys write. Love it. Absolutely. And I'll make sure to go check out that article on the Wolves as well. That'll do it for us tonight in Game 4. Wolves beat the Nuggets next on deck. Utah Jazz, Saturday night at the Target Center. Tip-off, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on X, at Luke underscore Spinman at TM Metcalf 11 and follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. And of course, Ben Beacon over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Tyler Metcalf. I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out.